Well, hello, church. I want to welcome our Bendor family tuning in, those checking us out online, the men at Kiwani, and all of you here at Rock Island, as we step back into our conversation around bold moves. Because we as a church family are making a number of bold moves. In fact, it was in January that we launched nine bold moves. Some of those are in prisons, some of those are in schools, some are in existing facilities, and others with a lean towards new facilities. All of them are about creating environments for more people to know Jesus. None of this is about heritage getting bigger, but about us advancing the kingdom further. And if you want to know more information about each of those bold moves, the best way to do that is to go online at heritageqc.com, click the Bold Moves banner, and it'll take you to a page that is filled with information about what God is asking us to do as a church family in these cities and this region. And it's important, if you haven't been in the conversation, to do that. Because bold moves are important. In fact, the purposes of God require the bold moves of his people. He wants bold moves of obedience and faith from those who follow him. And it's important beyond that simply because bold moves of faith are catalysts of God's power. If you're using your note guide today, I encourage you to do so. This is the first fill-in as you're tracking along with that. That bold moves of faith are catalysts of God's power. God's what? His power. Now listen, bold moves are selfless, courageous, God-honoring actions where we risk beyond recovery but not beyond his cover. And they are catalysts. They are precursors to his power. Now many people, they they go after new things. They try new things. They, They make big risks, take big risks. But the difference between those moments and the bold moves of God are the power of God, is the power of God that comes to bear in the equation as we step in bold obedience. His power comes in that dynamic and things change. Jesus talked about this power coming and it's captured in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's not in your guide but it's up here on the screen. Jesus said, but you will receive power. You'll receive what? Oh, come on now. Bendorf, get in on this. You'll receive what? Power. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We can receive that power. Why do we receive that power? So we can be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us, whether we're talking about an individual bold move or a corporate one. Whether we're talking about finding freedom from a habit or an addiction, freedom from an unhealthy relationship, maybe the ability to step into a right and healthy relationship or to take any bold risk with God. That power is available. And bold moves are breakthrough realities. They lead to breakthrough because they are the catalysts of God's power. His power at work in us. Now we saw last week through the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer that most people are just one bold move away from a breakthrough. Just one. Because those bold moves are, are, they change our trajectory. They transform lives. They are gateways to more. And, and I want to take some time this weekend to talk about another bold move in Scripture, to look at another example of a bold move. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and click or turn to Mark chapter 10, New Testament, Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. The, the Scriptures are in your note guide as well as they will be on the screen here too. Because one of the realities that we step into this part of Scripture is that multiple times in Scripture, Jesus interacted with people where this was a key factor. Their bold moves of faith being the catalyst of God's power at work in their lives. 
And we're picking up in the storyline shortly after Jesus has talked to the rich young ruler. And he invited that rich young ruler to make a bold move, but that guy chose not to do it, and he walks away sad. Yet we're stepping into a moment where Jesus interacts with another man who does make a bold move, and everything turns out different. So I encourage you to follow along in the scriptures. We're starting on verse 46 in Mark chapter 10. You can follow along in your own Bible. You can follow along on the screen or in your note guide. But let's take a look and dig into this right now. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, this is probably not the first time he had been here doing this. We don't know how long he had been there, don't know how many times he had come, but it is highly likely this was part of his daily ritual to sit in this space to beg for money or food because of his disability. He didn't have the ability to get those things readily. And so he'd be in that space asking the people passing by, the crowds of people passing by to help. But today would be different because of one passerby and a bold move. Let's take a look into verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Now, Luke's account of this exchange identifies for us that Bartimaeus had to ask to find out what was going on. I mean, which is reasonable, and probably not the first time he had to ask what was happening around him. The dude was blind. He could hear, but he couldn't see. So the fact that he asked makes sense, but Luke tells us that the response he was given was simply, the people said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. That's all they told him. A guy from Nazareth named Jesus. Yet, Bartimaeus actually understood that Jesus was more than that. He knew that he was passing by. He realized there was an opportunity to be had, and he needed to make a bold move. So in an unprepared but yet responsive moment, he makes a bold move because he realized he needed to. And maybe there's a time in your life, even now, where there's something happening and you realize you need to turn to God. Maybe there's a scenario that's been in your life where you had to turn and cry out to God. You needed to run to Jesus. You needed him to intervene in that moment. And this was that moment for Bartimaeus. It will be a life-changing moment because he makes a bold move in it. And he shouts out. He shouts. Let's take a look. Here's what he says. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Four distinct parts to what Bartimaeus said. All important. All important. In fact, think about it this way. The scripture says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That being the case, this is one of the purest and truest expressions and demonstrations of faith. Sure of what he hoped for. Certain of what he did not see. Now, I don't, I don't know what Bartimaeus knew or heard of Jesus before this. I'm not even sure what his spiritual journey was before this. I I don't know if he struggled with depression because of his disability. I'm not sure of his condition, but I I understand and very clearly see he knew Jesus was something more than just from Nazareth. He says, son of David. That's a nod to Jesus' identity as Messiah. He declares him, points to him as Messiah. That's key. And then he, he makes this bold move of shouting. But you got to understand something about bold moves. Bold moves always encounter opposition. Always encounter opposition. And this was no exception. Look in verse 48. Many people rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They shushed him. Shh. Be quiet. Don't bother him. Knock it off. 
Bold moves always encounter opposition. However, that was not going to deter Bartimaeus, man. He was not going to be put off by this. This was too important for him. So you know what he does in response? He shouts louder. (laughs) He shouts louder. Look what the scriptures say. He shouted all the more, son of David. Again, that, that nod to the messianic identity. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. And then Jesus stops. He hears him and he responds just as he hears in response to us today. And he says, call him. He invites the people, some of the same people were just yelling at him (laughs) to invite him. And so they actually turn to the guy and they call to him. They say, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Now, this is just, this is becoming exciting because now he has this opportunity to interact with Jesus. But this thing's going to go to a whole nother level because of what happens in verse 50. Check it out. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I think, hey, that's not that big of a deal. Yes, it was. A dude was blind. He threw aside his covering, his, his protection, maybe one of his few possessions, jumped to his feet and ran blindly through a crowd that was just recently hostile towards him to a person he couldn't see. That's a bold move, my friends. That's a bold move. And he did it. He did it, and he made it. He gets to Jesus, and Jesus asks a beautiful question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you desire for me to do for you? And, and, and Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. He makes a bold request after making a bold move. And Jesus says, go Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. He said, go, your faith, your bold move faith has healed you. And he receives his sight. It's incredible. It's an amazing, amazing moment. Bold moves of faith are catalysts of the power of God in our lives. It's an awesome moment. But hang on a second. Wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial in scripture. There's more. Two more things happen. Take a look at this. In this passage right here, it says that he followed Jesus along the road. Listen, this is not about miracles, but about relationship. It's not simply about his power, but his purpose. And Bartimaeus is not treating Jesus as a genie in a bottle. He was treating Jesus as Messiah, Lord, and King. And he was giving him rightful authority, and he was allowing himself to be positioned in followership to Jesus. And that's important. That's important. But again, wait, that's not all. Because if we jump to Luke's account of this, in Luke chapter 18, verse 43, check this out. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Now, it's like he received his sight, he followed Jesus. That's not anything new. We saw that in Mark. But the praising God piece, that's a little extra twist, a little more insight into that Bartimaeus understood where the power came from. He knew who to praise. It wasn't about him. He knew it was God. But wait, when all the people saw it, they also praised God. My friends, bold moves are catalytic. They're catalytic. There's a ripple to them. We saw in Jonathan and the armor bearer's journey that they rallied an army that led to victory, that led to great reconciliation among the people of Israel. 
Bold moves are catalytic, and bold moves of faith are the catalyst of God's power that leads to that catalytic impact. If we would just step into them. Look, you need to understand something about this, this whole equation. Bartimaeus couldn't see, but yet he trusted and obeyed. He, 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 he went without hesitation. He didn't give excuses. He, he had limitations, but he demonstrated his obedience in following what Jesus asked for. Because he knew Jesus wouldn't lead him to harm. Scripture says that, that God has a plan and purpose for us, and it's not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And he trusted Jesus. But, but what would have happened if Bartimaeus had not trusted? If he hadn't come? If he had just simply sat waiting and never called out? What if he had, had just stayed yelling and not willing to come? What if, what if he quit yelling the moment somebody corrected and rebuked him for it? Or better yet, what if he was unwilling to throw off his covering, his protection in that space, and to run boldly in obedience because of fear? Listen, Bartimaeus couldn't see with his eyes, but he could see with faith. And he ran in obedience toward the voice of the one he knew he could trust. And that changed everything. And I realize that for some of us here today, we're facing big decisions where we can't see everything. There's some uncertainty around them. Maybe others are telling you what to do in them. Maybe fear is starting to grip your throat and the uncertainty of what will happen when you step is causing you to pause and not actually go. What do you do? What have you done if this is in your past? There are very real elements of this in every one of our nine bold moves as a church. Very real realities of this. But the response is the same. The same as Bartimaeus. Trust and obedience. Because if we love him, we will trust him. If we trust him, we obey him. And that's what Bartimaeus did. He ran. In fact, in this life, we face all, tons of, all kinds of certainty. And there's tons of needs in this world. And they can be overwhelming. But, but God calls us to risk in trust and sacrifice in obedience. He calls us to risk in trust and sacrifice in obedience. Listen, my friends, there is no risk in obeying God. None. We risk in trust, we sacrifice in obedience. There's little to no, there's little to no sacrifice when it comes to trusting God because we either do or we do not. We, we risk in trust, we sacrifice in obedience. You, you want to know what would have what happened to Bartimaeus had he not trusted and obeyed? You want to know what, what would have happened had he not thrown aside his possession and, and ran towards Jesus, jumped into his feet and going? I can say with complete confidence, absolute certainty, nothing. Nothing would have happened. Absolutely nothing. He would have stayed a blind, destitute, alone man sitting in the darkness alongside that road, crying out to no one. Nothing would have happened. But he took a bold move, and the power of God was brought to bear in his life, and everything changed. Listen, if you have felt empty or dry in your own spiritual journey, you feel like you've asked questions of God, and he's not giving you an answer, it's quite possible that it's not rooted in belief or in his ability, but simply a lack of trust and a lack of obedience on our part. Often, we find ourselves in situations where 
the dynamics cause us to grip, be gripped with fear, maybe even worry. We get paralyzed from our own human perspective, and we, we sadly, we don't, we don't jump with God. We don't step and run. Because of the circumstances in front of us, we get paralyzed. It reminds me of the story of a, a family who woke in the middle of the night to their smoke detectors going off and their house on fire. The father immediately ran to the kid's room where he picked up their 18-month-old baby and grabbed their four-year-old son by the shirt collar and began to head down the stairs and out of the house. About halfway down the steps, the little boy realized he'd forgotten his teddy bear in his room. And he worked his way out of his shirt and from his father's grip and ran back to get his teddy bear. But in the confusion and the smoke, the, the father didn't realize it until he was outside. But by then, the house was engulfed with flames. The little boy was trapped in the upstairs room, looking out the window, and he yells, Daddy, Daddy, help me. But from below, his father said, Jump from the window, Tommy. I will catch you. But in the smoke and the darkness, the little boy responded, saying, But Daddy, I can't see you. And his father said from below, That's okay, son. I can see you. Jump. When we can't see, when we have wiggled our way out of the grip of our Father's leading, and we have wandered into places where we are now trapped, He sees us. He sees you. And He loves you. And He will catch you if you will only jump. If you will risk in trust and sacrifice in obedience. He will show up in that equation and His power will be brought to bear and He will do things that only He can. If you will risk in trust. And sacrifice and obedience. You know, the problem in our relationship with God often is not about belief, but about a lack of trust and obedience. An unwillingness to step boldly. Bartimaeus, he believed. He declared that belief in how he even yelled. He didn't say, hey Jesus, hey Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say, hey Jesus, son of Joseph. He said, Jesus, son of David. He acknowledged Messiahship in, in his identity. And, but then he moved beyond that belief to demonstrating trust and obedience. He acknowledged his need to Jesus. He acknowledged that Jesus was the one that he needed mercy from. Jesus is the one that could rescue him. So he acknowledged his belief, but that moved to action as he actually went. As he made the bold move, he actually goes, regardless of the cost. Now, this is really important when it comes to our personal dynamic with God, but it actually there's a bigger ripple to this reality. Because there's a fundamental principle about faith. And, and the reality is that, that faith alone saves. But saving faith is never alone. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. We see this in the story of Bartimaeus. We see this in other parts of Scripture. But we as a church have often talked about this in, the, in reality around two gaps. And, and for some of you, you've heard this before and, and you've readily embraced it. Some of you have heard it and slowly leaned into it. And, and some of you have not yet heard this. But I want to take a minute to explain it again because at some point when we all stand before God, we will be held accountable for what we did with these two realities. So here's how this works. God, out of his love for us, created us for relationship. He wants relationship with us. The problem is sin entered the equation and created a gap between us and him. He's holy, we're not. But out of his love for us, he also sent Jesus to pay the debt we couldn't pay. So Jesus' death on a cross, his resurrection, conquering sin and, and death, allows us to be saved. We believe in our heart and profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're saved. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It positions us then to have relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the beauty is the Holy Spirit then empowers us. It's what Jesus talked about in Acts 1-8, when that power comes by the Holy Spirit. And we're empowered not just to be living saved, but ultimately to be living sent. 
Because there are more people in this world who need to step back into relationship with God and be reconciled to him. And we're supposed to play a part in that. Not just saved, but actually sent. The challenge is, there's a second gap. There's a gap between us and other people. Our relationships, it's relational, it's race, it's gender, it's language, it's socioeconomic, it's specific needs. There's all kinds of reasons for gap here. But the people of God, the saved people of God are to the sent people of God and should be building bridges so that these people can step into a place here and make their own decision to step into relationship with God. This is the reality of how God has positioned us as a church. And some of you have embraced this reality readily. Some of you have slowly, as I said, leaned into it. But some of you are struggling. You're struggling with feeling like this reality is pressure. But it's not pressure. It's purpose. This is not one more thing for your to-do list. This is about divine appointments. Some of you are, are, are just gripped with fear and worry because you can't see. You can't see what might happen, what it might cost you, the messiness. And, and, and you're afraid to take that step, afraid to build those bridges. Maybe even afraid to take this step over that first gap reality. But what God calls us to is relationship with him and then to build relationships with others so that he can work in and through us for his purpose. Listen, I want to show you a video. It's just a couple minutes long. But man, it's powerful. It's a video of a woman who's prepared to jump from a rock ledge and swing on a rope bridge. Now the problem is, as she gets ready to do that, she's gripped with fear. And she struggles to make that leap. But her friends and her boyfriend, they're around and they're trying to encourage her to get her to make that leap, to take that step. It's a bit funny at times, but it's incredibly insightful. So take a look. No other females jumped from here, have they? No. I mean, you know it's going to be scary, but you know you're going to be okay, and that's all that matters, that you will be okay. <laughs> you know, most girlfriends don't have to have this talk with their boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all you, honey. Okay. You don't have to jump if you don't want to. I don't know if I want to. But you know this will be the coolest single experience of your life. I know, this is also the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. All right, here we go. Oh, no, Devin. I'll count down to zero. If you choose not to jump, I'm totally fine with you not jumping. Five, four, three, two, one, zero! Come on, you can! You can! You are so hardcore! You are so hardcore! Four, three, two, one, zero! I can do this. Honey, I don't think I can do it. Three, two, one, zero! I can't do it. Okay. Two, one, zero! I can't do it. Honey, you can, you can, you can, you can! Two, one, zero! Maybe somebody else can just go. Two, one, zero! I can't do it. Two, one, zero! Two, one, zero! I want to do it. Three, two, one, zero. I don't want to do it. Put the other hand on the rope. No, no, I don't. Take six inch step to the right. Just stop right there on the edge. Just like that. Honey, I don't want to do it. Put the two hands on the rope. You know I love you, right? No, please don't push me off. Please I'm don't. Right. I am not. I'm right here. 
I'm right here. I'm not gonna push you. I'm not gonna push you. But if you stand here for more than two more seconds, I will. <laughs> Ready? Three. Honey! Honey! <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I just got dumped. <laughs> Was it worth it? <laughs> it will be worth it. Someday she'll thank me. So can I can I have her number? <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious and incredibly insightful. And there's tons of lessons we can learn from it. One of it is to pick better friends who don't ask for your girlfriend's number as soon as she dumps you. There's tons of lessons we can learn from this. Lots of ways we can just learn some things about the dynamics in that space. But I share it for simply one reason. Some of you feel that way every time we talk about the second gap. You think it's pressure. And you don't realize it's purpose. You stand in this spot as a person who already has received Jesus. And, and you... And you hesitate. You don't throw off the protective covering and run boldly in obedience. You hesitate. You think it's one more thing to do on your to-do list rather than the divine appointments God has created you for. And fear grips you and worry grips you. And the reality is whether you're standing here supposed to be building bridges as a sent person or whether you're here and you still haven't taken a step of trust and risk and trust in relationship with Jesus, the reality is regardless of where you sit in this drawing, in this, in this diagram, Jesus stands there saying, jump, saying, I see you, just jump, trust me, build bridges, build relationships of hope and love so that people can step into relationship with me, enjoying what you have enjoyed. Just do it, just jump. But yet you're hesitant, just as she was. Truth is, God will never push you, though. He's a gentleman. You have to jump. And until you jump in trusting Jesus, until you jump in fully living into what your faith and salvation should mean, you're not experiencing the fullness of God in your life. Anytime you pick and choose, it's both and. Anytime we pick and choose, we are no longer living in the flourishing that God calls us to. Now, I realize some of you, you're, you're wondering, do I really have to? No, you don't. But if you want to live into the flourishing and the fullness of life with God, you absolutely do. You need to jump. Even when you can't see. You know, you don't have to take my word for this. Let's look at the words of the brother of Jesus, James. Here's what he said. He said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. That's, those are gaps. Those are two gaps. Those are Matthew 25 gaps. Hunger and nakedness. Those are gaps. He goes on to say this. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Living saved without living sent is pointless. It lacks power and it lacks purpose. 
One of the realities is that we can get into this paradigm where we stand in the middle of that second gap and first gap reality as someone who is saved, and we stand here and we live out what I like to call Ricola faith. You know what Ricola is? Lozengers? Ricola. We stand right here and go, Jesus loves you. And we think we've done our job in being sent, but we have not. We haven't even begun to do it. Because we're supposed to build bridges so that these people can step here and make their own decision. Listen, those investments don't have to be huge. The things that we do here don't have to be big. Just this week, about 20 pastors and directors from the Heritage Ministry team went to the Thurgood Marshall School and to the Jefferson School. And we were able to love on teachers and thank them and encourage them. We gave flowers and candy and gift cards just to say thank you for investing in the next generation. When we were at Jefferson, we were able to spend time playing with the students during recess. It was a blast. Yeah, we played frisbee, we drew chalk on the pavement, basketball, we were running, we were playing soccer. We just had a blast. But here's the thing, there was a huge ripple from that. Because un, unbeknownst to us, inside the school, the dynamic was changing. Teachers were going, what's the deal this afternoon? And everything's calm. <laughs> the teaching environments are, 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 are better positioned. The kids are better positioned to learn and they're not fighting with each other. And then they figured it out and the principal came out and said, you guys need to understand something. Thank you for coming, but just because you were willing to love on these kids and create a space for them to play and have fun together, they weren't coming back into school having fought with each other and angry and then creating problems in classrooms. Bold moves are catalytic. They don't have to be big. God calls us to big things, and there are big things for us as a church that require real sacrifice. But they don't have to be big. They can be small. They just need to be obedient. We just need to step with our neighbor, with our coworker, our boss, in our own family dynamic. Just make a bold move. Here's one of the other realities. Every time we gather in this space to study God's word, hundreds of kids across the Heritage Network are encountering the love of God and experiencing his word through rock star volunteers and leaders in our kids' ministry arena. They're building bridges for those little ones to be able to stand here and make their own decision to follow Jesus. That's important. If that even stirs your heart today, then I challenge you to make a bold move and go to the children's ministry check-in desk at your area and sign up to be a volunteer. Make a bold move. Get involved building bridges, letting God work in and through you for his purpose and glory. Don't just live saved. We're supposed to live sent. Let's just go to so what. Move to so what. Because I think the reality is we want God to work in our lives. We want him to restore broken relationships. We want him to heal things that are messed up in our life. We want him to work in and through us. But if he's going to do that, there are two specific things that we need to do that we can learn from Bartimaeus and his journey. The reality are, is that it's risking boldly and obeying fully. We need to risk boldly and obey fully. These are the two realities. You want to see God work and move? You want to see his power in your life? Risk boldly and obey fully. Let me unpack that for a moment. Crossing the second gap is not easy. It's messy. It's complicated. But his power is brought to bear in our bold moves in that space. In, in all of our bold moves as a church, our posture is to simply invite every one of us to talk to God and do what he says. Just talk to God, do what he says. That's all we're doing. It's about listening and then obeying in his power. But you've got to understand what we're, really, what we're really part of in this dynamic. You see, our primary mission field is the Quad Cities. Quad Cities consists of roughly 400,000 people. It is our task to love and serve all of them 
to assist those who know Jesus in their journey and walk with him, but then also to reach those who do not. And conservatively, 200,000 of the 400,000 are not walking with Jesus. That's a huge task that requires a big God to show up in the bold moves of his people. It's why we're chasing nine bold moves. It's not about us. We as a church, we connect with about 3,000 people every week. That's a mere fraction of the mission field. Our nine bold moves, we estimate it's going to take somewhere around $4 million to accomplish obediently, accomplish all of them. That can seem like a really big number out of reach. Hang with me for a second. See, this 3,000 people, let's just say they're, all, they're just couples, so that's 1,500 families. Or better yet, more accurately, we can just say of 1,000 families, if 1,000 families were willing to sacrifice in a way where they gave $25 a week, which is really doable for, for most of us. Some of us can do even more than that. It's, it's a night out. It's pizza one day. $25 a week, 52 weeks a year, over three years, that would provide $3.9 million. This is not out of reach due to resources. The only way this becomes out of reach is if we, as a people, are not willing to make real sacrifice for great purpose. If we're not willing to jump. Our world needs the people of God to make real sacrifice for great purpose. God is calling us to do that here in these cities and this region. It's why we're making bold moves. It's why we're doing the things that we're doing. It's requiring great and real sacrifice for that greater purpose. Bold moves of faith, though, bring the power of God to bear in it. Bartimaeus, man, Bartimaeus risked verbally, relationally, culturally, and socially, just in that moment, just in what he did, and he did it for more, and we're doing it for more, for more people to be saved and sent. It's not about us getting bigger. It's about the kingdom being advanced further. It's about making Jesus famous for more people to be saved and sent. And the reality is, as long as there's one person in our cities that does not yet know Jesus, our work is not done. And if God is stirring you today with an opportunity to step into a bold move, I want to tell you to step. We launched these things in January, and we talked to you about them along the way. And if you feel like, you know, God's asking you to step into that now because you missed it before, or maybe you've been talking to God, and he's now telling you, I want you to actually sacrifice at a greater level for a greater purpose. You can still do it. Best way to do that is to go online, click that Bold Moves banner, and get inside and, and partner in many different ways. If you don't have access to that, grab a commitment card, your campus expression, fill it out and turn it in. If God is asking you to jump, if he's asking you to come, if he's telling you to go, go. Don't wait. Step boldly with him. Risk boldly. Then second, obey fully. Obey fully. Not in part. Bartimaeus didn't like half obey. He was all in, man. He threw that aside. He jumped up and he went to Jesus. And that's how the power of God was able to be expressed in that moment. And we need to obey fully as well. Throw off everything that hinders. Throw off the possessions that are in front of you, that protection of safety. Throw it aside in bold obedience and God will show up. And he will do the miraculous in your life. Maybe it's setting you free from a habit. Maybe it's setting you free from shame, from something in a, a dynamic of relationship. Maybe it's restoring a relationship that's been lost. Whatever the bold move risk is, take it. Step boldly into it. God will never push you into it. He will not push you off the edge. You have to jump. So jump, and jump boldly. You know, 
I asked last week for you to pray specifically around one of our nine bold moves. It's our next and it's our biggest bold move. And it's the acquisition of the former Kone building and repurposing that as our regional hub. I told you there were several meetings coming up. And I want to thank you for those who prayed because God was clearly present in every one of those meetings. He was moving ahead of us and he was granting us favor. I want to again ask you to pray because this week we're making our final offer. And God will either deliver that building into our hands, or he'll show us where he wants us to chase this vision in another location. But we've done our due diligence with the right people involved, the right experts and, and wise counsel, and we're making what we believe is an offer that is honoring to all parties involved. But I want to ask you to pray that as we do that, that God would just do what he wants. Because we've been listening, and we're just trying to obey. So pray as we step into that reality, as we risk and trust, but we also sacrifice in obedience. I want to I want to leave you with one final question. It's a question that we can all consider personally and even, even corporately. But it's really, where do you need to step boldly and obediently? Where do you next need to step boldly and obediently? You have a next bold move. It may be, may be a personal one, but it may be corporately with us as a church. Where God has asked us to go, he's asking you to step boldly with it. What is your next step to step boldly and obediently? To risk boldly, but to obey fully in that. The vision that God has given us, man, it's big. If God doesn't show up, we're not going to be able to do this. But that's why our dependence is so high on him. We're seeking to do everything he says. And as he shows in and up, I know he's going to go ahead of us just like he's been. But we're in this for the long haul approach. This requires deep roots and deep relationship. We are not going to see the transformation of our cities by reaching cities. We're going to see the transformation of our cities by, by building bridges of relationship. Building bridges into neighborhoods. It's relationships with people as we each make bold moves. We don't change cities by reaching cities. We change cities by reaching people. And we as a church are positioned to be a lead catalyst for that. We're not going to do it alone. But we're to take a lead point expression in it. In fact, I want to ask you, in the midst of these exciting times, because this is an exciting time, to pray big with us. To be like Bartimaeus. To, to, to cry out. To jump up. Be bold in obedience, but then to ask big. Join me and the rest of the Heritage Leadership Team. We're asking big of God in this. Join us in doing that because he wants to change these cities and region through us. But here's what I understand. When it gets to that second gap reality, we can make it easy or hard for people to get to this point. We don't push people. We love people. We come alongside. We meet real needs, some big, some small. But in the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus, we build bridges that allow people to step on their own, not as obstacles. That takes real sacrifice for a greater purpose. It's why we do what we do. We're positioning people for the first gap. And whatever your next bold obedience step is, I need you to take it. Because the obedience among God's people ripples to the, to the whole. And the disobedience can impact as well. So whatever your next step of obedience is, take it. Don't let fear grip you. We're going to actually step into a time of communion as we wrap up our conversation. And it's fitting and appropriate for two reasons. One, this is Memorial Day weekend, where we're honoring the ultimate sacrifice, those who've paid that final price, the men and women of our military who, who gave their lives. And that's interesting because Jesus, he's the one who identified that sacrifice as an ultimate expression of love. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your brothers. And when he elevated that kind of sacrifice to that expression of love, he did it out of his own journey. So we, want, we pause and we honor those who sacrifice, but we also want to pause today and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. 
Jesus made a very real sacrifice for a great purpose. Without his sacrifice, his broken body, his shed blood, we have no hope of having a relationship with God. We can't cross this first gap, and then we have no power to do anything in the second gap. But because of what he did, we can step here, and now we play a role in both sides of this diagram. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It is not pressure. It is purpose. And God calls us to live that way. So as we take time today to remember his sacrifice through communion, we not only remember, but we celebrate. We celebrate that he made a very real sacrifice for a great purpose. Our ability to relate to God and then live out a purpose that's way bigger than us. So we're going to step into a time of communion right now. And we do this because Jesus is the one who explained communion as a way of remembering and a way of, of celebrating. Because it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup. And with his disciples, he said, look, with the bread he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. He said, do this in remembrance. So communion is an opportunity for us to remember, to acknowledge, to even participate. That, to, to acknowledge that first gap reality. But it's also a time to celebrate. And I invite all of those who have already crossed that first gap, who have received Jesus as Savior, to take part in communion today. If you haven't yet done that, I want you to know you, you can actually cross that first gap by praying a prayer that's in your note guide. You can step into a relationship with God today, right now, and then you can step into this moment and celebrate and remember what Jesus did. If you've already done that, this is a chance to do that. In fact, in a few moments, the ushers are going to come. They're going to pass trays in front of you. Make sure you reach in and grab both cups. They're double-stacked cups, one with the bread, one with the cup, symbolizing the blood. These are symbols of the very real sacrifice of Jesus for a great purpose. And what we do in this space is take time to remember. So I want to invite you, all everybody across our network, when those ushers come and you take that, just to take a few moments to talk with God. Do some business with him. Prepare your hearts. Maybe reflect on what he has done in your journey to this point, on some bold moves he showed up in, or maybe seeking some forgiveness for not taking some bold moves in other places. But just talk and have, do some business with God. And then when you're ready, on your own, take those elements. I want you to take them when you're ready. Take them when you're what? Ready. Just making it clear. Don't want you wondering. Take them on your own when you're ready. But as we prepare to step into a time of reflection, remembering, and celebrating, I want to pray and invite you to lean into that space and conversation with God when I'm done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, I thank you for Jesus. We come before you in his name, and we do so boldly, not because of anything we've done, because of everything he has done. Thank you for his very real sacrifice for a great purpose, our redemption, our rescue. Lord Jesus, I pray in these moments that, that you would allow us to celebrate and remember that and honor you as we take these elements. Father, for those that are wrestling with whether or not to cross the first gap at all, Lord, may you speak to them about your love for them and the purpose you have for them and the plan you have for them. But Lord, for those who have crossed that first gap, may we take this time to remember your sacrifice for the greater purpose and may we live into that greater purpose. May we be willing to make bold moves regardless of the cost so that we live as a sent people where you bring glory and honor through, uh, to yourself through us. So Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. We remember and we celebrate. And we pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.